everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, I am joined by Callie Nixon, my dear friend, a spiritual leader in my life, and she wrote today's Devo. That's the sweetest. Hi, Emma. Hi, Watermark family. I'm really glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. Callie, I know you very well, but all the listeners might not. What is your role here at Watermark? What do you do? You guys, I have the best role here at Watermark. I was hired to come and take a look at everything that we do for women and bring visionary guidance and uh, strategic just leadership to uh, all the myriad of beautiful ways that we as women are gifted and try to find new and improved ways for us to discover, develop, and deploy those gifts within the local church body. When I was growing up, Church for Women was like, you either like come watch the children mm-hmm. or you bring quiche. Yeah. And women are so much more varied in their giftedness than that. And so it's my joy to try and find ways for women to deploy those gifts. And that's exactly why I was so excited to see your name for 1 Corinthians 12, because I know that's a huge passion of yours. But how did you get to this role? Like, how has God, what has God taught you along the way? And what have you seen as you've grown up in the church? When I was growing up, I saw a very narrowed opportunity for women to use their gifts. And what I started noticing is women were going outside of the local church to fulfill kind of some of their callings and their passions that they felt like they were gifted in, but didn't feel like there was space for. And so honestly, it started with back several years ago, God was waking me up in the middle of the night. And the way that I describe it is I felt really itchy. And you know that feeling when I felt this sense of anticipation that God was asking me, not for more of me, because He asks for all of us, but He was asking for for me to kind of prepare myself for something. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if He was asking me—I I love to sing worship. I didn't know if He was asking me to go deeper with worship leading or, or train more in that area. I didn't have these grandiose visions of, like, teaching God's Word, but He just started to put an itchiness in me for God's women. Mm. And slowly that started to formulate into— Uh, more of our local church. And so I was asked to a lunch one day, and they said, hey, how can we better serve the women in our church? And I said, do you have an expo board? And (laughs) God had given me this picture where I had kind of looked at all the things that we do for women, which is so much and so beautiful, um, but they were kind of like a bar graph of silos of different ways we tried to care for women. And a lot of them had to do with life stage, or a lot of them were really a really heavy commitment. And then I drew this umbrella over it and was like, we, I would love to see us have an overarching vision and something that connects all the women in our church where the only, the only prerequisite you need to be a part of something is two X chromosomes. You need yeah. to be a woman, and that's it. And so that's where The Collective was born, which is a new women's ministry that we've done. We're now kind of in our third year. And the heart of that, we say, you are welcome, age 16 to 96. So fun. When I was in the Institute, I got to see the early stages yeah. of that of that being brought to life. And your faithfulness in leading that has been so encouraging. But question for you, why is that important? Like, why is it important that women or men really exercise their gifts in the context of the local church? Oh, my goodness. Because of 1 Corinthians 12. You know, like, God— pre-orchestrated this, that He made us. He is so beautiful. If He's if He's the nth of everything, if He's the hyperbole of every good thing, mm-hmm. then He is the most creative, the most beautiful, the most loving, the most funny. And so in the same way He made our body with many different parts, 
like through all of us being one body, that's that's the way the church is supposed to function. And so when you've got this combination, one of my favorite things is to find someone who's super crazy, stupid, gifted at something that I'm really bad at. And so Katie Riley, I think, edits this podcast yeah, she does. and is one of my favorite people in the world. I love it when people are onions and you think you've got them figured out. And then, oh my goodness, she's basically a country music star on top <laughs> of like her quiet nature yeah. and her kind demeanor and her giftedness. And when you see them running in that, when a part of the body is functioning properly and it and it knows its place and it knows its value, there's nothing more beautiful than that. And I think that's what First Corinthians 12 does. It basically says, like, I love the first parts for just in verse 12. So for just as the body is one and has many members— And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Neither were Jews or Greeks or slaves or free. We're all made to drink of the one spirit. And so I just, I love watching people who are made really differently come together under a common goal, which is there's a hurting world out there that needs the hope of Jesus. And we've got the answer. We've got the remedy, the anecdote. And we can take that to a hurting world. And it's really so much easier to do that when we're unhindered by comparison or by lack of opportunity or by sure. lack of development, and we're able to just run and tell people about the Jesus we love. Yeah, that would be that'd be my next question for you, Callie. I think there's probably people listening who either have been hurt by the way someone's exercised their gift, maybe in an inappropriate way, or they're discour- deeply discouraged because they don't feel like they have space to run in that way God's made them. What would you say to those people, the person who's been hurt mm. and the person who's discouraged? So first, I'd give them a big squishy hug. Yeah, you would. really hard. And I would hold them and tell them he sees you, even if mm-hmm. no one else does. And then I think I'd put on my big sister hat and say, hey, comparison's the thief of joy. And so is there anything in your life that you're comparing yourself to? And if you've been hurt, we would we would need to work through that hurt and know that people who represent a perfect God are often so imperfect, and that has consequences that are really, really difficult, but our healing doesn't have to be hindered by our past. God has Mm. hope and future for us. And then the second thing I would say to somebody who's been discouraged is the space you make is the space you create, baby. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, I just, I think I would charge them with like, there is so much that you can do. Instead of looking around and seeing what someone has done for you, look back and see who you can bring along. Um, There's a couple of girls right now that I'm meeting with consistently that I, I was not taught formally how to teach God's Word. I didn't go to seminary. I um, was just cared for by really caring, lovely women that kind of helped show me the way. And so I wanted to formalize that. And so I just turned around and grabbed a couple of girls who've got um, just a zest in their heart for teaching God's Word. And I'm like, hey, I don't have a lot, but what I have, I want to give to you. And we've just been walking together over the last few months to go, man, what what is your secret sauce? And it's so cool to see each one of them has this secret sauce as a communicator. And so what I look at is, hey, my job is to just encourage the stink out of you and, and help you develop in your giftedness. And, and not that it's not okay to be discouraged, because I've absolutely been there. But I think if you also keep Philippians 2 in your mind and kind of that same mentality, what I think of when I think of Philippians 2 is verse 4, let each of you not look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, um, having the mind of yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who there is a very form of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. And I will say with women, a lot of times where their bitterness and their angst comes from 
is that feeling of, I was hurt, now I'm going to sit in that victim mentality Mm -hmm. instead of, I was hurt, what can I do? And what are the ways that I can operate within my space or within theological guidelines of what Scripture says? And I think there's so much more room than people realize for women to run in their giftedness. Yeah. Okay, last question as we wrap up. I could talk about that more, but we've got to keep moving. I know. So you have a son. Mm. Ryan? Owns me. He's how old is he? So cute. He's six, almost seven. He's young. We've talked a lot about women, but you're raising a boy. You've got daughters too, but you're raising a boy. What would it look like for Ryan to grow up and walk confidently in the way God's made him, but also champion the gifts he sees in the women around him? Contextualize this for men. So I think I would say Ryan is like his daddy, which I would tell you, look to your father, because Ryan Nixon Sr. is the best man I know. And I think I would also say to him, um, be every bit of who you are. And being a man doesn't equal not being sensitive. My son is wired more towards the tender Mm. in his heart. And I think I would tell him God has given him that, and that's going to be a powerful tool within his masculinity. It's not a... It's not non-masculine to be kind and sensitive and tender, and it's not uber-masculine to only be strong and a bruiser everywhere you go. And I think I would tell him that as he grows and solidifies and gets comfortable in who he is as a man, look to women and let that be the same. Hmm. That when women are gifted as soft and quiet and tender-hearted, that is uniquely feminine. But when there is a woman that he meets that is strong— and of firm mind, and of sound speech, she is also feminine, and she is godly in and of herself. And that that's a part of us taking the body of Christ and caring for each other as brothers and sisters. I would tell him, hey, don't be intimidated by a woman that's strong, and and don't over, don't lord over a woman who's weak. Like, respect all as sisters in Christ. And that's how, and that's the experience, honestly, that I've had at Watermark. The men that I've been around have been, you know, I'm a stronger personality. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So the men around here have have welcomed that. There has not been any, oh no, you're too much for me. It's been a gift to go, hey, how can we use your strength to glorify the Lord? And um, so I hope he does the same. I love it. I love it. We're out of time. Thank you for sharing. I love you. I love Thanks you for too. having me. You're welcome. That's all we've got. But as we continue through 1 Corinthians and see Paul's correction, the good news is God's grace always makes room for redemption. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.